First Samuel chapter 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burnt with fire, and there were wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahonem, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Caramelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abithar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abithar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind. Because three days ago, I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burnt Ziklag with fire. And David said to them, said to him, can you make me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because all of the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs were, la- were lacking, either small or great sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before the other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him 
And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they do not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, and they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But at But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies, and they shall share alike. So it was from from that day forward he made it a statue and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for, for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord to those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jatia, those who were in Aurora, those who were in Sifmoth, those who were in Eshtemoa, those who were in Rachel, those who were in the cities of the Jeremilites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in the Homer, those who were in the Chorishan, those who were in the Attach, those who were in the Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to to rove. Thanks, Jacob. So in this chapter, we've got a, um, I guess it's a well-known incident that happened in David's life. Ramaz has given us a background of um, some of the lows that that David went through. And we see him here, um, the rejected king. He's a a man on the run. He's, He's been anointed as king, but... He's fleeing for his life. What a contrast between him as the rejected king and when we look at his Lord, the one who was the rejected one here. David had many failures, um, as we've heard. But we also see the restoring grace of God. And I think we see that playing out here really beautifully in this incident. In Ziklag, God being so gracious, even in David's failure, in his 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 poor decision making. Now, we've heard the lessons that that David learned, and I'm sure that as we go through this chapter, as we think about what has happened, that lessons are going to come out to us. And I'm hoping practical things too. We go through trials. And we're responsible for the actions that we take. We're responsible for the decisions that we make as young believers in the things that we face. God is gracious and God deals with us in in a way that we don't deserve. But um, we, we need to learn from the mistakes of David and we need to learn from the the things that are examples to us in David. So as we look through this chapter, we're going to see both of those things, things that were mistakes and things that were examples, good decisions that he made. But maybe we'll I'll leave it there and we can, we can start having a look at this chapter when he returns to Ziklag and what he finds when him and his men return.
I guess we can say that David shouldn't have been in Ziklag to start with. David shouldn't be in the land of the Philistines, should he? He'd, he'd made a decision to flee there and to stay with Achish in, in that land. But as, as we've heard, that one decision led to another decision. And although David shouldn't have been in Ziklag, David shouldn't have left Ziklag to join the Philistines in their battle against Israel. He'd obviously travelled with them some of the, the way until the lords of the Philistines said, no, we're not going to have this guy go with us. In the battle, he's going to turn against us. So David shouldn't have been in Ziklag, but also David shouldn't have left Ziklag. It's a, it's a further decision in the wrong direction to, to go with Achish and the Philistines against Israel. And then when he returned, he saw the, the results of, of the decision that he made. And we see him there not only um, rejected by Israel and cast out by Israel, but his own men um, turning against him. And what a tragedy it is when, when we're walking down the wrong path that we can drag others with us. When we make decisions that are poor decisions, the consequence isn't just for ourselves, but others are dragged in, others follow along, others are impacted by it. We need to weigh these things very carefully in the decisions that we make. I'm not just an independent person living for my own self. That was, that's Saul, that's Saul behaviour, independent person living for himself. But as believers, our decisions should be governed by obedience to the word of the Lord and care for the people of the Lord. I just want to make sure everyone understands what's going on here. So I'm going to pick on Salvatore for a moment. Salvatore, can you tell us what's been happening and, and where David is? is? Is that clear for you? Uh, no, not really. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I thought maybe it wasn't really clear for everyone. Um, here's David. He should be the king, but he's not the king because Saul's the king and Saul hates him. And so David's decided, I'm going to get away from here, cross the border into the Philistines. Now, while he's living there, he, he's kind of sneaky. You know, he goes back into Israel in any towns or cities that have been taken over by foreigners, he attacks those cities and he kills everyone. And then he comes back to the land of the Philistines and the king says, oh, what did you do today? And David says, I went to one of these cities in Israel and I, I, I destroyed everyone there. I'm like, oh, good work. You know, you're doing a good job for us. You're killing Israelites. Oh, David keeps his mouth shut. He's not killing Israelites. He's actually killing enemies. Now, all of a sudden, David and his men are in a difficult situation because the Philistines are going to make war against Israel. Now, what's David going to do? Is he going to, he, he can't pretend anymore. He can't, he can't go into Israel and kill non-Israelites because he's going to be fighting with the Philistines. But 
He can't kill Israelites, can he? He's their king. He's really their rightful king. He's not going to kill Saul. He's never killed Saul before. He had heaps of opportunities. What's he going to do? He's in an unbelievable dilemma. Sometimes sometimes at school, you know, the school teacher um, paints this kind of picture for you. Um, uh, um, there's this dilemma. It's called a moral dilemma. What's the right way out of it? And every solution you can think of is wrong because the predicament is so bad that there's no right way to get out of it. The only right way is never to get into that predicament to start with. But here's David, and he's in a predicament. He's going to be fighting against Israel on the side of Israel's enemies. And he seems to be upset when the um, the other lords of the Philistines say, no, you can't go. That's really weird. He wants to fight, but he doesn't want to fight. But he, mm, what's he going to do? And only the Lord can get him out of the, the tight spot. But when the Lord gets him out of the tight spot, wow, it's tough. He finds that everything's gone wrong. I think I've said too much already, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Is that a little bit clearer? So now after this but better, David is coming back to his city, Siklek, right? And what, he what does he find there? The city is burned. And we see that the Amalekites, they came and burned it. And they, yeah, took everything what belonged to to um, um, to David and his men, we could say they lost everything, no houses, right? No goods anymore. Nothing precious is there. They stole everything. Then they the the wives were gone, the children were gone, everything was gone. So they lost everything, right? So David, on this way, with the enemies fighting against even his own people, oh what he wanted, intended to do, he lost everything. And then he came back and had nothing at all. So David was the man normally who was caring of those who are in a distress. We find that in, in chapter 22, then all the people who had some problems, they came to David. But now David had a problem, a big problem. And this issue was that... Um, he did not that what God wanted. And he brought not only himself in a big distress, not only his family, no, all his men as well, right? So the whole families of all these men who went with him, they were all in a big distress. And this is what we find here. Um, of course, we can speak about Siklek. What does it mean? We can speak about the Amalekites and leave that for others. But what is the mercy of God is what we find in verse 2. Because normally that what David has done was what? When he came to one of the cities. He killed everyone, right? Just Greg just said he killed everyone. That was what they usually did. So they came, took everything, killed everyone, and then they went again. But here we read in verse 2 that nobody was killed. And this is God's grace 
even in our biggest distress, even though it's our failure, it's our responsibility of that situation. But God shows still grace, right? This is the mercy of God that comes to us and reveals himself that even in such situations, he is so great that he is merciful and full of grace with us. This is what we should always have in our mind, right? That he is in control of every situation. He's never surprised and he knows exactly what he does or what he allows to happen. And so that's, uh, and still then, he is full of grace and full of mercy. This is something that is, yeah, unfathomable. So it's just, it's just simply great. But this is our God and this is our Lord. We see the timing of, of the Lord in, in this too, the way that he works. I feel like this is probably the lowest point in, in David's life so far. He's in the enemy's land. Um, he's just returned back to the place where he's staying. And like Manuel said, he's lost absolutely everything. Him and his men, they weep until they have no more voice left to weep. They, you know, remember when, when Job lost everything on that day, his friends came there and they sat with him for seven days and not one of them spoke one word. So great was his grief. And here we've got David at such a low point. He's lost everything. He's, him and his men are just, they lifted up their voices and they wept and they didn't have any more strength in them to, to weep anymore. But the grace of God, the way that God was working, this was the battle where Saul and Jonathan were killed when the Philistines met with Israel in this battle, which is in the chapter before the Philistines are going to fight Israel. This is when Saul will come to his death. And it's shortly after this that David himself will be made king in Hebron. And God is working at the lowest point in David's life to bring about the point in which he's going to exalt him and, and make him king over his people. Isn't God gracious? Isn't his timing perfect? When, when David fled here to the Philistines, and Ramas point this, pointed this out to us at the start of chapter 27, he says, Surely I'm going to die at the hand of Saul. That's just what's going to happen. Did he forget that Samuel anointed him as king? Did he forget that the Lord was with him? Did he forget that um, the promises of the Lord don't change? We all know these things, but how do we act when we're, when we're under the pressure, under, when, when we're faced with the situation? Don't we also forget these things? But the Lord doesn't. The Lord doesn't change. The Lord is faithful. And here we find the lowest point when David has to, to cry to the Lord out of desperation. The Lord's ready with an answer that's, I guess, beyond David's imagination. Just to illustrate 
how low David really stooped during this time. Um, Ram has took us through these cycles and parts of these cycles were one extreme. David was so close with the Lord and he would inquire of the Lord and the Lord would lead him. And the other side of the cycle was David so low and, and, and so far away from the Lord. And it's, it's so weird because he, David was so bipolar. It was one side, one, at times he was at this extreme and at times he was at the other extreme. Um, but it's so easy to fall from, from grace. It's so easy to fall from a spiritual high. From being near to the Lord, it's so easy to, to let our guard down and slip. And I heard someone say, I really like this saying, that um, between victory and brokenness or between victory and sliding, it's just one fall. And between sliding and victory, it's just one kneel down, just one kneel. And David had what these single falls, and that's all he needed to drop back down. And then at other times he would wake up and he'd be like, what am I doing? And he would kneel before the Lord and the Lord would lift him up again in grace. Um, and in those very low points, we read in our chapter today in First uh, Samuel 30, uh, that when... Uh, when David went to Ziklag, he found in verse 1 and 2 that the Amalekites had um, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were uh, there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. You contrast this with what David was doing um, for, the, for the Philistine king. David was going around killing his own people and not leaving a single person to tell the tale, not leaving a single witness and even here, the enemies of the Lord, the Amalekites, aren't even doing this. How low did David stoop? And then during this time, when he was so low, so far away from God, we don't hear of him writing psalms. Um, Ram has read a few of the psalms to us. Those were at the high times. But we don't read of psalms that were written during this time. We don't read of, of David asking the Lord, should I go down? Should I attack these people? Should I, should I go to this battle? We don't read of anything like that for one year and four months, 16 months, not a single word uttered from David recorded for us that he sought the Lord, that he inquired of the Lord. Much like Abraham when he went down to Egypt. Um, he went down to Egypt, he went down to the world, um, and he, he was far away from the world. But then David wakes up in, in verse 29, in um, verse uh, 7 and 8 of chapter 30. And like he's saying, Mike, the Lord was there ready with grace. He was there ready with a response. And we see just how, how successful he was after that, after he woke up and went back to the Lord. One of the, um, one of the most outstanding features about David that I think we can really learn a lot from is, I couldn't help but think as, as Ramas read those Psalms earlier, that he, he has an immense capacity to seek the Lord while he's in the wrong place while he's in the wrong state, while he's in, the, in, in a bad condition, he is, he is able to, and the Lord is found um, by him while he's in that very condition. Um, we, Greg mentioned earlier that sometimes the Lord has to get us out of a, a, a wrong place or wrong condition that we're in, um, and that can be a painful process. And I was thinking of Lot. Um, he was a righteous man who was brought out of a bad place. Um, but the result for Lot was he spiraled into depression as a result of that, and he hid away in a cave. Um, David here, he experiences God's hand in bringing him out of a wrong place. 
he experiences the sorrow of it, and his first thought is to call for the priest and to bring out the ephod. Um, he he is able, and the Lord is willing to be to be. He is found by us, um, regardless of of our circumstances. It's often the thought with with us that we need to fix up our life first, um, and then we can seek the Lord. But it's the reverse for David here. He seeks the Lord while he's in a bad condition. But at first he bows before the Lord or he humbles himself before the Lord. I think this is necessary, right? And we have done something wrong. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. That's that's a necessary thing, either personal or um, in a group, whatever it might be, if we've done something wrong to, to get a new start, as we want to say, or forgiveness or uh, restoration, then we need to to uh, confess with a true confession, not just something that is, you know, Saul, he said, I've sinned, but he never really regretted or never really, um, he just looked at the consequences that it had for him in chapter 15, but he, he did not really humble himself before the Lord. But but here, David, it's different, right? We, we read that they wept and uh, exceedingly wept. And uh, until there was no strength in them. And this is the point that we need to reach sometimes. God has to bring us to the point where we don't have any strength. There's no more strength left. And this is something very painful. But this is what the Lord wants to use. Because he only can use uh, broken things, right? Uh, The broken heart, um, or what is the verse? Psalm 34 that the broken spirit or the broken heart, uh, God will not reject or something like this. Just can't uh, quote, uh, recite that in, in English. Um, <clears throat> so this is this is precious for the Lord. And I just want to mention two verses from Psalm 119. Maybe they they help in this in this con, uh, context as well. Psalm 119, verse 67 and 71. It says, verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And this is what what the Lord needs to bring us sometimes to that point, right? That we realize we need these circumstances in order to get back to him. That's, that's not easy for David, it was difficult for us. It will be difficult, but sometimes we need it because sometimes a process to learn something needs to be painful. It's not that God likes to 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 harm us. That's not the case. But but we need to 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 experience something in order to learn because sometimes we are very stubborn, right? We're very hard. So, but Lord wants us to to. Yeah, to bring us back to him. And I mean, what, what was here the, resu- um, the result? Um, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. That was, that was then the result, right? So David realized, I can do nothing. Uh, but Psalm 138, verse 3 says, At the day when I cried to you, you heard me die. Oh, you gave me strength. You gave me strength, something in this sense. Um, so this is this is what he what he experienced here, and this is so great. And just want to um, mention another another Psalm um, forty six, 
it helps a little bit in this as well because this describes that what, what David experienced here in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a help in distresses very readily found. God is there, right? He always waits for us. When we did something wrong, he always wants us to come back. He just he just wants you to come back. He's working at your heart to make it um, smooth, to make it tender, to make it uh, yeah, willingly to bow before him, right? And afterwards, afterwards, there's blessing. We see that here as well. There comes blessing in a much way because our hearts and our conscience is directed to the Lord again. We, we can hardly... Um hardly measure how painful this was for David. Now, he, he gets back to Ziklag and the whole city is burnt. There's nothing there. There's nobody there. Now, what, what's... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, his, his benchmark, his benchmark of understanding of what happens when enemies come and make a raid on your city, his benchmark is his own behaviour. So when he raided those cities, cities of Amalekites within the territory of Israel, he killed everyone. He comes to his city, Ziklag, it's all burnt and there's nobody there. What's the conclusion? They're all dead. Now, the Amalekites, they didn't leave a note saying, no, oh, um, Hey, guess what? We we uh, we kept them all alive. We took them away. No, everything's gone. Death has come to everything. This is just the most utter tragedy for David and his men. Now, they're they're not just putting on a show by weeping. This is really genuine. They're they're faced with a huge tragedy. With that huge tragedy in mind, then you get to the end of verse six. David strengthened himself in Jehovah, his God. Like, what, what kind of man is this? This is the worst possible tragedy. He, he, at this point, he does not know that his wives are alive. He doesn't know that anything is left. And yet he strengthens himself in Jehovah, his God. You know, in, in the New Testament, um, We've often made comparisons between David and others in the New Testament. There's a little comparison between David and the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul didn't commit a sin. Paul didn't go into the land of the Philistines. Paul wasn't pretending to, to kill people anymore. Um, Paul had been serving the Lord. And along comes a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh. Now, Amalek is a picture in the Old Testament of the flesh in the New Testament. Paul gets this thorn in the flesh. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 12. I'll read from verse 7. That I might not be exalted by the exceeding greatness of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn for the flesh, a messenger of Satan, that he might buffet me, that I might not be exalted. For this I thrice besought the Lord that it might depart from me. And he said to me, 
my grace suffices thee, for my power is perfected in weakness. And now Paul's response, most gladly, therefore, will I rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of the Christ may dwell upon me. What kind of man is this? This is a man like David. David had done something wrong. He knew he had done something wrong. And with the knowledge that he had done something wrong, he can bow down, he can repent, he can weep, and then he can strengthen himself in Jehovah his God. Here's Paul, who has not done something wrong, and he's experiencing in his own body something immensely painful. He doesn't tell us what it is. You know why, because if he told us what it is, we'd all have it. But whatever it is, it's so bad, he's he's crying to the Lord three times. And he gets to the point and he says, um, oh, let's put it in David's language, he strengthened himself in Jehovah his God. He said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong because it's not my strength anymore. What about us? We, we do things that are wrong and we experience God's chastening because we've done things that are wrong. And, and we, we learn from that. We learn from those mistakes, from those sins. But what about when we haven't done something wrong and he puts us through a hard time? What are we going to do then? So Paul is a great example. David's a great example. This lesson, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, that's a lesson that we all need to learn. It was Amalek that came and fought against um, Israel during the time of Moses and, and Joshua, wasn't it, when it's in Exodus 17. Amalek came and Moses told Joshua, go and choose men and fight against Amalek. And then Moses went up on the mountain um, and Aaron and Hur were with him. And when his hands were uplifted, Israel was victorious in the battle. And as his hands got weaker, the Amalekites were victorious in the battle. And so Aaron and Hur are lifting up his hands. And that's, that's the only way to defeat the, the flesh, what Amalek speaks of. Total, utter dependence on the Lord. We've talked about David having to humble himself and strengthen himself in the Lord, and and that's really what is required. Moses there with his hands uplifted. Um, this is, I guess, a, a picture of um, of Christ and His advocacy for us. Our dependence. We need to depend upon Him. We need to humble ourselves and. Be strengthened in him, just like we've heard about Paul also. Thanks for that clarification, Greg, about the cities that David raided. Um, might just clarify it one more time for the young ones. So it's um, David when he was uh, serving as the servant of, of the, the enemy king. Um, he was doing the enemy king's work and he was fighting against other enemies of Israel, the Amalekites. And it was those cities that David went to and he killed every single person in that city. 
and he would come back and, and there would be no one left so that no one could say it was David who did this. He would kill every single person. And it was only when David was ready and willing to go and fight against his own people, which were Israelites. That's when God stepped in because God values his people and God protected his people. And it's such a contrast to what we were speaking about uh, in one of the earlier sessions that David had the same value for the people of the, the people of the Lord. David valued Jonathan even after he was dead and he would, um, he would treat Mephibosheth well. And he valued the people of Kilah and he would go and defend them even though it wasn't his job. And even though he was under distress himself, but he valued the Lord's people and he would defend them. But here we see how low he stooped, um, that he, would, he was ready and willing to go, but God would intervene. And another contrast we see with David, um, and this one is great because we see just how much uh, he was restored by God. We've seen David previously in the previous chapters, he, he offered encouragement and uh, teaching to others around him. When he was near, near to God and when he was aligned with the will of God, he strengthened others around him. So Ramos mentioned in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, in the cave, there was, um, for, uh, how many? Um, there was a few hundred people who came to him. Uh, I can't find the number right now, but there was a few hundred people who came to him. Um, and he, he helped them. 400, thanks Greg. Um, he helped them at the start of chapter 22. 400 people, he had just escaped and he was hiding in a cave. And these 400 people were in debt, they were discontented. And he would forget about his own troubles and he would help them. He says he became, the, he became captain over them. Um, and in uh, Psalm 34, we read, uh, Ram has read these words earlier in verses. There's these ones which Ram didn't um, read out, I think, uh, in verse 2. Um, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. The humble around him. And then he, he calls on them. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Um, come with me. You guys are in trouble. I'm in trouble. Let us magnify the Lord together because we know he can help us. And later again, twice, when Saul was given to him, um, there was an opportunity to kill Saul. One time his men would tell him to kill Saul. Another time Abishai would tell him to kill Saul. But both times he would say, I cannot stretch my arm out against the Lord's anointed. He says, I can't do this. And then finally, we see in this chapter just how much he was restored after that very low stoop. At the end of this chapter, we read that there was men with him in verse 22, 1 Samuel 30, verse 22. There was men with him who were wicked and worthless. Um, and they said to him, uh, because these other men didn't go with us, they stayed here at the river. They were too tired to cross. They didn't fight the battle with us. Because these men didn't, didn't help us in the battle, they shouldn't share in the spoil. And David says, my brethren. He calls them my brethren. He tells them, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came, that came against us. For who will heed you in, the, in this matter? But as his part is he is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. And David teaches them. He says, no, we are all equal in God's eyes. This is the Lord's things. And the Lord gives out equally. Um, and it's very, very encouraging to see that the Lord restored him and restored him enough. He gave him strength enough to strengthen others around him. Pretty amazing, isn't it? That uh, the, the 200 that stayed back, they were exhausted. They couldn't cross the river. I mean, if you asked any one of the other 400, they probably would have said, well, we're exhausted too. 
But, um, you know, man's got to do what a man's got to do. You just, you've got to just pick yourself up and, and go. And you guys left us. You don't deserve anything. Um, that's, that's the response they had. But David here really, um, and I think Ram has pointed it out, he's a, he's a type of Christ in this situation. Um, the battle was only his. He, he's the one that, that fought alone. Um, but the spoil is shared with all. The blessing is divided amongst all. He's not, um, he's not holding a grudge against those who are there and didn't help, even though all of the men would have been exhausted. But he, he teaches them that lesson, and in that, he's a type of the Lord. You know, the benefits that we reap, we share in the glory with the Lord, but we didn't have to go through any of the suffering in order to obtain that. Of course, we suffer. We suffer because of difficulties in this world. We suffer as a result of sin within us. Um, we suffer as a result of um, poor decisions that we make. But for the blessing, the Lord suffered for our sins. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. And the blessing that is brought from that, he, he allows us to share in, even though we had no part in the gaining of those blessings. Um, I just were th was thinking about a verse in Judge, Judge chapter 8. And um, there we uh, find in verse 4, Gideon at the Jordan, and they passed it, and 300 men there, so maybe a similar situation, but there it says, uh, 300 men that were with him faint yet pursuing. And I think this is a nice expression that, that we have there. So they were as well here in this situation. They, they were tired, they, they, they were faint, but they, they kept on going, right? And with whom? With David. With David leading them. And this is, this is the great point, right? We find that David is asking the Lord. He, he took the effort. He's asking him. He's, he's guided by the Lord. And so they, they strengthened out of the fellowship with the Lord, and they can move on. And this is so great that we see that, what an influence it has when we are in the fellowship with the Lord, when we're in communion with him, asking him on the independence and following his word. The Lord said, go. And you will get the victory. You will, um, yeah, you will save them or you will, what is it, the expression end of verse 8, thou shalt assuredly overtake them and shalt certainly recover. That's That was the promise of the Lord. And this promise, so to say, claiming on God's word, they moved forward. And this is what we can do as well. So let us encourage to do that even though you're faint but pursuing. It's uh, amazing in the New Testament how David is spoken so positively of. David is a man after God's own heart. We read that in Acts 13. And we see at the end of this chapter, end of chapter 30, David is sharing the spoil not only with the, the 600 men that he has, not, not only saying, no, we're going to share with the 200 that were left with the baggage as well, 
but he shares of the spoil with all of these others, you know, these names that um, Jacob read at the end of the chapter. Various cities, including Hebron, where very soon after this, he's going to be made king. David didn't know at this point that Saul was dead. He finds out later. David didn't send these gifts in order to be uh, uh, viewed well in the sight of those people. Oh, David's such a nice guy. Um, you know, he wasn't doing this to try and gain recognition or, um, or status or to build himself up in, in front of these people. He didn't know any different about what had happened to Saul and that he was being prepared to be king of Israel. He didn't know. He did this out of his own care for the people of the Lord. And he says to them, this is a present from the enemies of Jehovah. He is a man who, even in his weakness, when there is restoration, when the Lord restores, it's it's full restoration. He's, he's showing his love and his care for the people of God. And what an example. What an example. And he is rewarded not because he was seeking the the throne we've seen that all through his life he wasn't seeking the throne but after this um, david's then put in that position that god had promised him just one really simple lesson from all of this um ram is gonna upload some recordings you know um we, we could say, look, for anyone who didn't bother coming to the, the um, Zoom conference, um, they were too slack, you know, that word, they didn't have enough energy, they were too exhausted, whatever it was. We put all the effort in. We deserve to enjoy this ourselves. We're not going to share anything with anyone. No, Rama is putting the recordings up so that anyone who couldn't make it for whatever reason can share in it. And not only the ones who received Mike's invitation, but perhaps the um, it can be shared even further um, to other Christian friends that you know who might benefit. Um, you know, sometimes we do have the attitude, um, we were the ones who were involved in serving the Lord so diligently and, and those others, they didn't help, so, so um, they don't deserve to share in the benefit. No, that's not how it is. You know, if we think um, Manuel and his family are in the in the Philippines and they're, they're serving the Lord there, um, wouldn't that be a wrong attitude if they thought, we're not going to tell anyone else about any of the good stuff the Lord's doing. We're going to keep this all for ourselves and um, we won't let anyone share in that. You know, whenever anyone is involved in serving the Lord, we all share in it together. But we should remember even if we're too exhausted to be on the front line, we've got to be minding the baggage. These exhausted ones, they were looking after something. They were caring for something. Perhaps we might say the ones at home praying for, the, for those who are on the, um, on the mission field. We're, we're, we're taking care. We're, we're doing something valuable for the Lord, even though it's not on the front line. So everyone has a share, and we've got to remember that. I think it's also important to note, as Ram has also mentioned, that sin does have consequences. Um, 
we read in First uh, Samuel chapter 23 that the Ziphites, who were also of the tribe of Judah, they were telling Saul where David was hiding. They were helping to fight against the Lord's anointed. And here in this chapter, we don't read their name mentioned. They weren't given parts of the spoil. And so that was their consequence for opposing the work of the Lord. Um, but at the same time, the Lord is graceful and merciful. And perhaps some of these other people as well, some of these other cities, they may have done things which weren't deserving of these things. But the Lord in his wisdom is merciful and graceful. Maybe we should um, sort of draw things to a close here. Um, God is gracious. I think that's a nice um, point to end on. Um, the lesson here, he's gracious in his giving, he's gracious in his work of restoration. And I'm sure that's something that we've all experienced.